Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. I'm used to preaching, you know, where there's dirt floors, so I'll try to, I'll try to overcome that since you have <laughs> But anyway, praise the Lord. But uh, God's good to us, isn't he? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Father. Let's just pray. Father, we worship you. We give you glory and honor. Everything about you is amazing, O oh Lord. You're an amazing provider. You're an amazing Savior. You're just amazing. And Lord, we just approach your word today with reverence but anticipation. And we thank you that you will teach us, change our hearts, fix us where we need to be fixed, O oh God. And help us to grow to be like your son, Jesus Christ. We give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. I, I want to teach, uh, teach something that's been, it really is in my, in my heart. And I'm in a slightly different way uh, than perhaps most of the time when I would teach. But uh, follow along with me if you can. I, I'm going, I want to try to teach a principle first. You know, we, a lot of times we want the promises without the principles, but you don't get promises without the principle. You get the principle down, then you can get the promises. You know what I'm saying? So I want to teach a principle first, and then I'd like to just take Scripture and perhaps give you a practical application of the principle and how to work it in your, in your life. Is that okay? So um, I found this to be true. I found that in every story in the Bible, every chapter, every verse, there's an opportunity for you to learn something about the character and the nature of God. Every story, it doesn't matter where you start in the Bible, there's an opportunity. You can learn something about God. And you can learn about how God relates to people and how people relate to him and how he wants to relate to us and how many times we, we miss it. it. And when you begin to view the Bible, the Bible from that perspective, it becomes very, very personal, uh, personal between you and God, you and God, because this is what the purpose is for you reading the scriptures or meditating or even listen to a message like I'm going to be sharing today. You know, we think sometimes that uh, what we read in the Bible is stories about people. Stories about Noah, Noah, you know, uh, Paul, stories about Moses. But really, it's stories about God. That's what the Bible's about. Everywhere you go, every teaching, every historical event, as you study, you will find that they are a part of a revelation about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible is literally a revelation of God, his love for you, and his desire to have relationship with you. So it doesn't matter really what story, you know, that you start with. If you will read the Bible or study the Bible from this perspective, you will begin to see differently. You'll see what God loves, what God hates. You see what he likes, what he dislikes. You'll begin to see, you know, what God thinks about things, how he responds to things, and uh, how he, he never responds in, cert in, in certain ways. What he does and, and uh, what he thinks is evil, what he thinks is good. You, this is just the revelation of it. Even the stories that are about people. You know, the, the story, we, we say, well, this is the story of so-and-so. Maybe the book of the Bible is even named after that person, but 
But really, it's not a story about those, per those persons. It's a story about God. It's a story about the Father. It's a story about Jesus and how they relate. <clears throat> it's a story about how, in God's perspective, how to be successful and how to fail. How to have health and how to develop diseases. How to be, you know, um, a, a good person, a loving person, a compassionate person, or being a jerk. Can I have a better grunt, a grunt, at least something, yeah. But some way that you'll learn about how, how to overcome the enemies of your soul. Because God knows how to do that. Amen. God knows exactly how to be victorious. He's never lost a battle. Amen. Amen. Never. He'll teach you. The scripture will teach you how to overcome the flesh. It'll teach you how to overcome the world. You don't love the world. Remember the scriptures. The scripture teaches if you love the world and you know, love the Father's not in you. Da, da, da. It'll teach you how to overcome Satan. You don't ever have to be a victim to Satan. So th this is th this is part of the principle here that that I'm I'm wanting to kind of get across to you this morning that if you really want to know God if you want to love God if you want to you know be pleasing to the Lord and, and how to become close to Him and how to have divine life how to serve the Lord then you can go just anywhere you want to in the Bible almost just pick a chapter pick a verse pick a story and and if you will try from the perspective that I'm talking about, you'll come away with something about God very personal. Something about his thoughts. Something about his ways or how you can relate to him. So, as for me, as for me, and I'm hoping that I can put this into you a little bit more, but as for me, most every time that I read the scriptures or meditate or even hear a message preached. I've tried to train myself. I realize that the Bible, uh, you know, should be, should be uh, taken in with this, this in mind. I, I ask myself the question, now what is this chapter? What is this verse? What is this story? What does this tell me about God? What can I learn about his thoughts and about his ways? And, and what does it show me about how to relate to the Lord and how to please God? Amen. Uh, how to work with the, how to work along with, 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 with God, with the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I function in this way? Because there's two kingdoms that work in this, in this world. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan. There's the kingdom of God. I really desire and uh, this, my, this is my pursuit. I, uh, you know, we're all growing toward it, but I really desire to live in the kingdom of God that is here already. The kingdom of God has come, and it is coming into a greater manifestation. But it is already here. Jesus said the kingdom's already here. So we can live in it if we, if we desire. And, and that to me, that to me uh, is one of the highest aspirations perhaps or goals or pursuits that a person in this life in this life can have because this is the fact the more that you know about God about Christ about the Holy Spirit the more that you know about them the better you will be able to imitate them and that is the instruction of the scripture
that we are to imitate God as dear children. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Follow him. Imitate God as dear children. There's another translation in the Living Bible that says, Follow God's example in everything you do just as much as a loved child imitates his father. Well, I thought about that scripture, and I, I remember as a child, a long time ago, but I remember my, I would try, you know, my dad would, would teach me things. Dad would show me how to do things and how to fix stuff. You know, the first thing mom or dad won, I don't remember which one it was, but they showed me how to put my shoes on and how to tie the knot. You know, that once they showed me how to do that and I'd learned how to tie the knot, I never did have to go back to them again and learn how to tie that knot again. It was mine. It became mine. What I learned from my father became mine. When they taught me how to do something, it became mine. It became my nature. And I could just do it. It's the same with God. As God teaches you something, it just becomes yours. And you just imitate what he does. And you just live like he does. My dad taught me how to fish. I remember he, he's, he was a good fisherman. He loved bass fish and he loved catfish. And uh, when we'd go bass fishing, he had a favorite bait. He loved his plastic worms. You know, he was a, that was what a lot of people don't like those. But he did. He loved to fish with those. And he took me, and I can remember the first time, and he, he said, now you take the hook, and this is the way you tie the knot. And he, I'd never seen a knot tied like that. I thought you just did a, you know, rip and rip and put it through and But I found out with monofilament line, if you do it like that, the hook will come off. It won't hold. So he taught me how to tie the knot. Once he taught me how to tie that knot, do you know what? I never had to go back to him, not a single time, and say, Daddy, would you please tie this knot for me? Why? I could do it. I had it. I took it in. I internalized it. When you hear things and learn things about God and he teaches you things, you internalize them and you can begin to imitate the way he does things and the way he thinks. It may be a simple example, but it's the truth. This is the way the scriptures is. So as you read the Bible, you don't read it for the story, the, just the historical. I could give you all kind of historical stuff about the stories in the Bible. And sure, they will be interesting, but it won't teach you most of the time one thing about God. And what you want to know is about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. How they are, who they are, what are they, what are they like, what do they dislike, what's good, what's bad, what's evil, what's, you know, how to work my faith, how to work the, the, the weapons that he gave you. He gave you his power, he gave you the Holy Spirit, he gave you faith, he gave you love, he gave you joy. He gave you all of these powerful weapons, but you got to know what to do with them. You can't just set them up in the closet. Are you listening to me? So, you know, like when we learn from our parents, these things just become to us. Now, go to 2 Timothy. Oh, God. oh, help me, Lord Jesus. I wanted to try to make this message within the time frame of what we have. I'm going to try to do it with all my heart. Go to 2 Timothy with me to chapter, uh, chapter 1. And I want to show you something here. Because, listen, this is so important. What you know, the pure, precise knowledge that you gain about God, everything about him, and about Jesus, and then faith in that is going to determine the degree of, of, of divine or spiritual or supernatural success you have in life. 
Did you catch what I'm saying? Is, do you understand what I'm saying? To the degree that you, that you know. Knowing is important. Now watch this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, verse 2, Grace to you and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Wait a minute. Grace, and let's just start. What is grace? What is grace? Somebody said, well, it's just unmerited favor. It's much more than that. Grace is much, much more than that. Grace literally means acceptance. God's accepted you. The benefits, the benefits, the favors, the gifts, the joy, the, the pleasure. Study the word out. It's the word charis, your Greek word charis. Study it out. The joy, pleasures, the goodwill, the mercy, the, the loving kindness, the tenderness of God. In other words, in other words, grace is everything God has promised you as a believer. You didn't deserve it. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't get it, including health, healing, prosperity, joy, peace. That's grace. And it's all under this wonderful gift that God has given you. Amen? Now, watch what it says. Grace and peace. Peace has, is, has to do with uh, 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 unity, harmony, tranquility. Re living a, rest, a restful life. I would much rather have that than a life of anxiety. How about you? Yes. Praise the Lord. So here's the two things he starts off with in Peter. He says here, grace, everything, all the goodness of God, and peace is multiplied. It's increased. The word means to abound in the knowledge, in the precise knowing, in the precise knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Where is grace and peace found? It's found in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, the Father and Jesus, right? Is that simple enough? That's where it's found. That's where it's found. So the more precise, the more you give yourself to study, to learn, to watch God, let him teach you, how to teach you how to tie your shoes, so to speak, how to do those things that become yours, then grace abounds in your life. Am I making sense to you? This is a great principle. It's a powerful principle. See, so, so this is why knowledge is so important. Coming to church is so important. Study your Bible is so important. But study it in the right light. Study it to learn about God and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? All right, let's go on. Let's see what else it says. It's multiplied uh, in knowledge, precise knowledge, full recognition of God and of Jesus. Seeing this, that his or God's, man, this is so powerful. God's divine power has already granted unto us all things that pertain unto this life and godliness. His power has already granted it to you. It belongs to you. Somebody say it belongs to me. Oh, it belongs to you already. It belongs to you already. If only we knew we live so far below what belongs to us. If only we, if only we could come up to what belongs to us. Can I have an amen? Seeing his, 
his, God's divine power, that's God power, God power, that, that supernatural power has granted unto us all things that, that pertain. Actually, that's a word that is added to clarify it in the English. It says that it's uh, full unto a full life or Zoe life and godliness, which is the word holiness translated in other places. How does it come? Through the knowledge of him that called you by his own glory and by his own virtue, by his own strength and by his own morals and by his own character and by his own excellence. Hallelujah. Isn't it beautiful? See, knowledge is so important. This is the principle. Whereby he has granted or given unto us his precious and exceeding great promises. So valuable, so costly. His precious and, and exceeding great promises that through these, through these promises, get it, you may become a partaker of the divine nature of God. Now, you didn't get that. You, you didn't even catch what I said. Through these, God is desiring that we come up to where we are partakers of his divine nature. The things that, that you know, that may I use the word, are common to him, the things that are natural to him, become natural to you. The same love, the same compassion, the same wellness, the same happiness, the same success. Hallelujah. We can have in this life, hallelujah, because that's what God wants you to have, and you get it through the knowledge of him and of Jesus Christ the Lord. Glory be to God forevermore. I about preach myself happy. Hallelujah. Makes me want to go read my Bible some more about and learn about God. Hallelujah. What's well, it's a whole life, you know, you don't get it all on one Sunday morning. It's, it's a life pursuit. We're doing this all the time. I know a lot more today about God than I did 10 years ago. I'm experiencing a lot more about God than I was 10 years ago too. Are you with me? What a wonderful verse. Now, have I finished this? Let's see. It says that through his great and precious exceeding promises that through these you might be a partaker, a partner, uh, you share in the divine nature. How's that? Because you escaped from the corruption that is in this world by lust. You escaped that old carnal way of sin. So what is our conclusion? Our conclusion here is that precise knowing, precise knowledge, full recognition and discernment about God and Jesus, the pursuit of that, praise the Lord, and then believing it because the element of faith is there, are keys to experiencing divine life. And that's a good thing. Amen? Divine. Some of you, some of you, you know, if you could tap into that aspect of divine life, that you, your life would be totally changed. Your healing would come. Hallelujah. Those problems that you have that seem insurmountable, they would be solved because that's part of divine life. God's power has been given to you to overcome. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I had two amens on this side. Amen. Hallelujah. And a little rustling over on this side. I'm not sure about this side. I felt a little rustling. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, the concept that every story, every book, every verse can teach you something 
about God and Jesus and about the promises and about the way he thinks, how to do things in the future, how to imitate him like a little child would imitate his father. With that in mind, uh, I want to do a, a little practical application. And I'll try to hurry with it. I know you get antsy when it gets close to 1130, but I just came from Kenya and, and, you, and you go two hours there, so I'm trying to squeeze it down. I won't go two hours, I'm, I promise you. Okay, so. All right, practical application. I was rereading the book of Jonah. Rereading the book of Jonah the other day, and I, I'm reading it though from this perspective. I'm reading it from the perspective, now Father, what can I learn about you? Jesus, what can I learn about you? Holy Spirit, what can I learn about you, about how to better relate to you, and how do I know what you like, what you dislike, what you think, how you do things, how you don't do things, what you think is good, what you think is evil. How can I learn those things? Because that's the way I want to read the Bible. Now, when, when you read the book of Jonah, a lot of people think, oh, I know the book of Jonah. We think of Jonah, Jonah and the whale, big fish. Jonah got thrown in the water, the fish came up, swallowed him up, he sat in the fish for a while, he got vomited out and went and preached, you know. So we, we think of Jonah. We don't, we don't think about, this is not a story about Jonah, this is a story about God. Amen. Can I have a better amen? This is a story about God. This is a story about how God relates to people, what God thinks, what God does, how does he do things? Now, Jonah's just a character in the story. It's got his name in the front of the book, but it's, you know, that don't matter. That's not the way this thing, this in. This, if you slow down and you begin to just read slow and begin to meditate, then God can show you some things. And so, I, we're practical application. I just jotted down some things. Go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Mittai. Now stop right there. This is not one of my things, but I just learned something about God. I just learned that God can speak to a person, to a specific person, and that God can give a specific person a specific word and specific directions on something that they should do. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a good lesson to learn right there. I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, and they laugh at people and say, well, I, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And I know some of it is laughable. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, it's like the guy stood up and tried to prophesy one time and said, it's all right to be a scared because sometimes I get a scared too. Well, that wasn't the Lord. How about that? <laughs> I understand that. But you know what? God can speak to you. So you know what I did? I internalized that. So now I know God can speak to me. And I know that God can tell me exactly what I need to know when I need to know it. God can give me a message to do. God can give me direction in life. I'm trying to give you practical application. The way you read the scriptures. God is there. And so he spoke to Jonah. And here's what he said to him. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it for the wickedness has come up before me. Interesting. There's a lot of things we could learn from that right there. But the first message that the Holy Spirit just popped up in me and said, listen, said, do you, do you realize now that the first message in this book is that God's not angry and mad at people, but God's a God of mercy and God's a God of grace. Amen. You know, a lot of people read that first, first verse there or in the second verse and they think, well, you see, God said, go, Jonah, go down there and curse those people and tell them I'm going to come kill them all. I hate sin and I hate them too. 
But that's not what he said at all. Wickedness has come up. God took note of that. Cry against it. What was the cry against it? If you read later on into the book, it'll tell you. He called him to repentance. He was calling the people to repentance. So that shows me if God didn't care, if God wasn't a God of mercy and a God of restoration, then why in the world would he call him to repentance? He just let the fire come and burn them up and psh, gone. You know what I'm saying? So that's the first. I just learned that right there. Praise the Lord. I mean, that is, that is good. Go cry against. He didn't say go curse them. Call them to repentance because destruction is coming. Because great sin causes great destruction. I'm going to say that again. Great sin will cause great destruction. Great sin in your life, not God cursing you, but great sin in your life will lead to great destruction. The wages of sin is... I didn't make it up. I just, re just re recited it. It's in the book. Amen? Okay. So here we learn something about God all of a sudden. I meet all kinds of people and I have for, you know, pastoring a lot of years, travel a little bit, all kinds of people. And most of God's people are loving people, they're merciful people, they're compassionate people, they're good people. But you know what is really sad? Occasionally you come across somebody and they think it's their whole ministry is to, is to judge everybody and is to tell everybody how bad they are and they're going to hell and God hates their sin and point out their everything is wrong and what you're doing wrong. And they just think that's their whole life's journey. And listen, the first thing, the first thing I'd just like to say to you, if you want to be... Ephesians 5.1, imitators of God, like a dear child, you can't be that way. God never gave you the right to, to, to go and to blast everybody and try to tell them how, how wide they're going to split hell wide open. That was not your job. You're not even the one to judge them. But the only thing that we have, we have been given the right to try to point somebody toward the one who can love on them and, and, and bless them and forgive them and give them a brand new life. We can point them to Jesus. Amen. This is what God was trying to get Jonah to do. Go tell him, look, I'm a merciful God. Repent. God gets no joy in seeing the wicked fall or, 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 or end up in disaster. If we, if we learn about God and we think the very, you know, those scriptures in, in John chapter 3 where it says, he so loved the world, sent Jesus. He said in verse 17, Jesus has said, he said, I didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. I didn't send him in here to damn the world or to, or to pronounce judgment on the world. But I sent him in here that the world through him might be, help me, saved. might be saved. Now that's the God. If you want to be an imitator of God, learn that about God. That's his nature. That's his nature. Hallelujah. Uh, in, in, in John, in first, uh, you know, in John's gospel, chapter 8, um, religious people, they, they came to Jesus and they threw this lady in front of him. You know the story, I'm sure been around church very much they said she's been caught in adultery and uh, we want to know what you want us to do with her because the, the law says we're supposed to stone her um, she's a sinner we shame her, we stone her, we kill her, what do we do what do you say about it Jesus what's Jesus to say, the law of Moses is right here 
kill the sinner, da-da-da. But on the other side, Jesus has come to reveal the heart of God. And the heart of God is mercy. Amen. That's why we say the Lord's good and his mercy endures forever, not his curses. His mercy endures forever. The heart of God is mercy. The heart of God is, is to forgive. So what's he do? He's caught between law and he's caught between, between the heart of God. So what does he do? He just, you know the story. He takes a moment, thinks about it, and he says, I'll tell you what let's do. He said, uh, the first one of you, any one of you who has no sin in his life, if you never committed sin, if you're perfect, if you've made all the law, you're the, you're the, you go ahead, you take a stone and you just throw that stone and you kill her. Because he knows that there's not a single one of you, no matter how good you try to be or hard, how hard you try to be, you cannot be perfect. In fact, the only way that God is able to receive us is through Looking through the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. Does that give you a sin to be, I mean, a, a, a license to, be, to, to, to sin and act in a way? No, it doesn't. Not at all. No. And so what did he do? He just said that. Well, one by one, they begin to slip off because there's none of them who didn't have some kind of sin in their life. Somewhere they'd missed it. Somewhere they had, you know. And that's the way God is. That's the way God, he's merciful. And his heart is repentance. Can I have a better amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, here's one other one. Oh, Lord. I, I just was reading more of the book, verse 2 and 3. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it's wicked. And it's come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. And he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. He paid the fare and he went on board and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Or one translation says to, to try to flee from the presence of the Lord. Can you believe this? I mean, here's, here's Jonah, the man of God. God says go preach, call him for repentance. And... Uh, he decides he don't want to do that. Here's what I saw real quick. The Holy Spirit says, you know what, Albert? It's never a good idea to try to run from God. Amen. <laughs> Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're trying to run from God. Maybe something, you know, in your life. Why did he do that? Why did he try to run? Was it too hard? I don't know. Maybe. Was he busy? I don't know. Was he afraid? Perhaps. Was he a racist? He was a Jew. There were Assyrians. Maybe. Why, why did he try to do that? You know, I don't know why he tried to do that. I, I don't really know. I mean, I've heard preachers try to say why he did and all that. But was he busy? Was he just rebellious? But here's the question that the Holy Spirit asked me. He says, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? That's what, that's what I learned about God from that right there. What's your excuse? Maybe I'll ask you, what's your excuse? When he tells you to do something or, or leads you to do something or you know it's right to do it and yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, uh, but God, surely you don't want me to do that. You don't want me to, you don't want me to, I got, I'm busy. I am so busy, Lord. Can't you see me? I am busy. And, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, st I'll work in the nursery for two weeks. Just let me off of that that you told me to do. 
we try to sacrifice somewhere else. You know, I'll make a sacrifice and that'll... I learned this. Is that the way that God looks at it? Lord, is that the way you look? You just say, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be just fine. You know, yeah, okay. So you don't want to do it. I know, I know, I know. It's all right. You, you, okay, this time I'll let you off. Somebody else will do it, you know. I don't need you anyway. No, no. I learned that's not his attitude. He doesn't think that way. He doesn't think that way at all. No, in fact... You know what? We, we find out other places in the Bible where the Apostle Paul taught us in the New Testament. He said, let me get this straight. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Don't you know that God lives inside you and that he owns you, that he paid the price for you and you are not your own? That, that's the way God thinks about it. Amen. You're not your own. I'm get, it's getting quiet now. I, I, this on the shouting part, I know, but you're, you're bought with a friend. No, listen, running from God's presence is never successful. It is, it's useless, and many times it's dangerous. Amen. It's dangerous. Hallelujah. As I said, you may be here this morning. Wow. I did it for a lot of years. But you may be running. Maybe running from something big, running from something little, running from church, running from your parents, running from what you you know, you, you've got a conviction. Maybe there's just, you know, running from a little instruction from the Lord. But you, what's your excuse? And I would just say to you this morning, uh, it's not a good idea. How's it working for you? How's it working for you? It didn't work too good for me. Amen. So what do we do? God's ideas are always the best ideas. Let's see if we can find a couple of more of these, and I promise you I'll find a stopping place here somewhere here. But I just kept reading on a little bit. I read about the story. Then, you know, he got on the boat. He headed for Tarsus, opposite direction of Nineveh. I mean, directly opposite. Everything's going smooth. He thinks I made it. Storm comes up. Bad storm. Storm won't stop. Read the story. It's interesting. All the sailors, they, they, begin, they, they were all pagans, but they begin to pray to their gods. Oh, what have we done? Who are you? Who, whose God is mad at who? You know? And finally, finally, the, as the story goes, they drew names. They, Everybody put your name in the hat. Listen, we're going to find out. Who's, whose name came out of the hat? Jonah's name came out of the hat. They said, well, what, who are you? What have you done? What's going on? Why are we all going to die for you? Well, he, and he, he made a good confession. He says, I'm Jonah, the servant of the Lord. I'm a prophet of God. I serve Jehovah. Oh, yeah. Well, what's the matter? I'm running from God's presence. <laughs> And about the only way you're going to get this storm to stop is you're going to have to throw me overboard. They didn't really want to do that. Read the story. They didn't want to. But eventually, it wouldn't stop. They pick him up. Over the side he goes. He's overboard, you know. He's in there. He, he, he's, I guess, hopefully swimming. Jonah 1, 17. 
Look at this. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I think about this. Learn this about God. Learn, learn this. Your worst mistake does not have to be fatal, and it does not have to be your final outcome. Every one of us have made mistakes. Man, I'll tell you, Lord, sometimes we mess up so bad, or, you know, we disobey the Lord, we get deceived, we give in to temptation. We see, this is, we're so far gone, there's no way. Jonah probably, he thought that too, as, as they were picking him up, throwing him over the, the side of the water and, you know. There's been a few times I felt that way myself. Not so much in big sin or something, but I just made a bad decision. I made a mistake. You know, handled something wrong. Got angry. Got mad, you know. God, how will I ever recover from this? There's no hope, you know. I prayed with a lot of people over all the years that, you know, that then they just... People mess up, you know, and they and sometimes they just don't know. I don't know how I've messed up my wife, my my marriage, my 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 children, my business. Da da da. It's just you know, I I I, I, I my ministry's destroyed. I don't know how 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 it could ever be, uh, you know. There's no hope. But if you listen, you can learn something about God. And that's what's more important than learning about Jonah. Yes, Jonah messed up. Yes, Jonah sinned. Yes, he neglected his ministry. But let me show you something. Before he had even hit the water, God already had a fish prepared to take him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can be happy about that. Before he'd ever hit the water, God had already prepared a way for him to escape. He probably thought, oh, my Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm thrown in the sea. And now he sees big fish coming. And uh, not only am I thrown in the sea, but now I'm going to be swallowed and eaten alive by a fish. But sometimes you don't realize that the very thing you think is there to just eat you up is the very thing that God has provided to help you recover. Amen. Fish wasn't his first idea, I'm sure. But sitting in that fish for three days and three nights, he had a lot of time to think. He had a lot of time to think. And inside that fish was actually God's plan for his, his recovery. I kept reading this story and here, here he's sitting. It's got to be a miracle to sit inside a fish for three days and three nights. You're thinking, you're wondering, you're arguing in your mind, you know, what, 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 what? But then I saw this, Jonah 2, 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, no matter where you are. I don't care if you're in the bottom of the ocean, if you're in the deepest pit, the pig pen of sin. Wherever you are, you can pray and God will hear your prayers. I'm telling you, God is a merciful God. He says, I'm in the belly. I cried out to the Lord because of my, my trouble. He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice. And, 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 and this, is what, this is what I learned about God. Sincere prayer. 
Sincere prayer will change your circumstances. I don't care where you are or how far you've fallen. Sincere prayer will change your circumstances. You read on in verse 7. He said, my soul fainted within me. He just wanted to quit. I remembered the Lord. My prayer came up to the holy temple. I realized, here's another principle. I realized that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Do you understand what that means? They that observe, <clears throat> they that accept and retain and hold on to lying vanities, things that are not true, they're deceptions. When you take those things and you hold on to them and you won't give them up, you, God's not your problem. You're forsaking mercy. Turn them loose. Realize it's a deception. It's a lie. It's not true. It's contrary to God's word and God's will. Turn it loose. Turn it loose. And mercy will be the results. If you, if you just keep holding on to it, well, I'm just going to believe I'm going to stay here too. Well, you can stay there and, and, and die. Or you can turn it loose. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay that that I have vowed. Salvations of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited out Jonah onto the dry land. Last thought. Last thought. Reading the book. Trying to learn. What can I learn? And this is what I heard the Lord say. With God and at a word from God, you can always start over. You can always start over. In the third chapter, in the first and second verse, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say a second time. It does something. It was the same word, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a new word. God came to him, and he said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I told you. In other words, Jonah, no matter what has happened, let's start over and let's do it right this time. Amen. Let's start over. You know, sometimes, sometimes you go through a tough time. I, I know 50 years ago I wasn't serving the Lord and, and uh, I accepted the Lord as a, as, a, as a teenager, as a child even. I accepted the Lord, but in my teen years I haven't served the Lord. I just tried to be like, like Jonah, ignore the Lord, go a different way, do my own thing, you know. But making a long story short, just you know, on a wonderful day, in a supernatural quiet experience with God, I, I, I just basically heard the Lord say, stop running. Just stop running. Start over, and this time do it right. Start over and do it right. Every one of us in here can do that. You can do it today. If you've been away from God, you've been walking away from God. This is his word to you. Just stop. Start over. Let's do it right this time. You can do it right this time. Because, you know, even if you're just, you're going along with the Lord, sometimes we're going along with God, everything seems to be fine. But, but there's still those times when the Lord says, stop, and let's do a start over. Let's do a start over. I've had a lot of those in my life. Um, coming to him was a start over. I remember 1981, the Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, 
just make it short. And the Lord gave me a start over. And the word was, I want you to quit your job. I've got something for you to do. It was a start over. On a word from God, you can always, don't be afraid to start over. Amen. On a word from God, don't be afraid. I've had a lot of those in my life. In 2001, the Lord said, I got, you know, the church is going fine, everything, but I, I, there's a start over here. I want you to lift your eyes and see the nations. That was a start over for me. Amen. And other times in my life, it's been start overs. Never be afraid. Never be afraid if you have a word from God to do a start over. Okay, so let me give you a summary here. Here's my summary. It seems to me that God is sincerely desiring to bring us up to where we are partakers of his divine nature. Did you get that? God is forever trying to bring us up to where we are partakers of his divine nature. And what I mean by that is where the graces of all of his provision and all of his promises, although they're supernatural in nature, they're supernatural in kind, they're supernatural in essence, but they can be regularly experienced in our physical lives as we live here before we get to heaven. It seems that is what God is trying to do. It's what Peter was teaching us in that, in that, in that first chapter there. Divine life, divine living in his divine care. But just like Peter said, they, they, they only become manifested. We can only begin to experience this as we just set ourselves continually, grow continually, you know, get into this, I want precise knowledge. Lord, help me, help me. I want full knowledge. I want a full discernment. I want the knowledge of God. I want the knowledge in God. I want knowledge about Christ. I want knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me always know, better know who you are. Help me to know how you think. Help me to know how you do things. Help me to know what is common and natural with you so that I can imitate you and it can become in my own life a manifested. Just like a child would imitate the father and you get the same results as the father did when you do the same thing as the father did. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise the Lord because that's what God wants. He has for us divine life, divine living. And let's just determine we're going to come up to it. Can I have an amen? amen. That's my message for you today. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So close your eyes, if you would, for just one second. I'm closing here. You've been so gracious to give me a few extra minutes. Now, Father, I just feel like in my heart there's... There's maybe a few here then they're running, been running for a while. Maybe big things, maybe little things. I have no idea, Lord. That I don't know. But Lord, I just pray right now. Just like I, I did for so many years, I pray, oh Lord, for them. That person who's running, trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. You're not a mean God. You're not ugly and you won't scold them. But I pray that they'll have this start over. And I pray today, oh Lord, it'll be a brand new beginning for them. That they'll make that choice. I did it in 1974, Lord, and I've never looked back. 
And I thank you that it's available to all of us. We can do it. And that we'll start over and go with you and not run from your presence ever again. And that we'll find, we'll find your will, your, pers- your purpose, and your peace. And all of the grace that you promised us. In Jesus' name. If that's you, just receive it. Receive it. Make your dedication. Make your decision. And go, go with God. I'm telling you, go with God. Life will never be the same. You'll never be sorry. Jonah wasn't sorry after he did it. In Jesus' name. I mean, God blessed him. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, thank you. Thank you. I know I kept you a little long. But, hey, I don't get to preach much. <laughs>